Um, some of you are probably just now realizing that John is um, not here. He's over at Eastside this morning. Uh, Tom is on the Holy Land trip with a, a bunch of the Sherwood Oaks family, and so they've taken John there. I, um, you're stuck here with me. So I've already locked the doors. You can't go anywhere. Um, but, uh, but I am really excited to, to take this opportunity to step down from up there and be able just to share a message with you this morning. Um, and uh, if you're visiting uh, with us, we are um, in the middle of a series right now that is called um, Walk with Jesus and uh, Walk Like Jesus. And today, um, if, you, if you've missed some of the other previous sermons in this series, you can check them out on SOCC.org. Um, they're all there, and you can hear. John's last week was, was pretty amazing, uh, focusing on um, the humanity of Jesus and his tears. It was a pretty powerful message, so you can check that out there. Uh, this morning, our message is titled, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to be looking at how Jesus completely depended upon the Holy Spirit and that we need to do the same. So before we get started, I'd like to, to pray, if you'd bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, God, we thank you uh, so much for, uh, God, just the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I pray right now that the Holy Spirit enters this place and fills me and fills the hearts and minds of everyone here. Um, God, I pray that even through a scripted sermon, God, that, um, God, that your Holy Spirit is, is working through this message and that, God, that you uh, are, are working in the hearts and ears and minds of, of everyone here, including myself, God, that we take away from this morning what it is you want us to take away um, from this message, God. And we thank you for the example that we see in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I want to start off by asking a question, and feel free to, to, to shout out um, an answer that when I say the words Holy Spirit, or if you um, were brought up reading the uh, King James Version, the Holy Ghost, what do, you, what do you think of? What's the first thing you think of when you hear Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Anybody? Anybody think of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost? Um, if, if you do that concept, a lot of times brings some confusion. Uh, just ask a kid. Um, in my classroom this week, I uh, overheard a conversation, couldn't tell, it was a little bit of a debate going on, and one of my students walks up, and I teach in a public school setting, but a student walks up and says, Mr. May, are God and Jesus the same? And I went, oh my. Um, and I said, yep, and the Holy Spirit, go figure that one out. Um, but no, but I'm only kidding, but, but they were having a great debate, and, um, and I thought, that's the mind of a child. How do you grasp the idea of the Trinity? Um, and then I, and I also thought about maybe some of you, when I, when I said that, thought about John the Baptist. And you thought about John the Baptist and, and what the Bible says about him in John, um, or in, sorry, in Luke 1.15, that he was to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was even born. Um, or, or maybe you thought about John the, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And when Jesus came up out of the water, uh, the Bible tells us that, um, that the Spirit descended on him like a dove. You, you may have even pictured the day of Pentecost. And depending on, um, depending on the church that we were brought up in, um, you might have a completely different understanding of, of the Holy Spirit than what someone who grew up in a different church, th their, their idea of the Holy Spirit is. Um, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles and the other followers of Jesus when they were celebrating the Festival of Weeks um, and the Spirit empowered those early Christians to even perform miracles. Um, and they followed in the footsteps of Jesus. That was the start of the Christian church. So with all these different images we have of the Holy Spirit, I, I want to make sure that we start this morning on the same page. So I want to address this first question. 
who or what the Holy Spirit is and how or why Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit if he is the Holy Spirit, right? If, um, I'm sure that's, I've already confused some, some people. How can, if, how can G, the Holy Spirit, like Jesus, um, the Bible tells us has been on earth since the beginning, right? And that, and John 1, 1, um, in the, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So there, they are only one, but, but why in Luke three did the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and rest there if he already was there or if Jesus already was fully God, how could Jesus need, why did Jesus need the Holy Spirit if he was fully God? So before we can get, we can even talk about how he depended on the Holy Spirit, uh, when he is the Spirit too, we, and how we should do the same, we have to answer that question. How can Jesus depend on the Holy Spirit when he's God? How can he be fully human and fully divine? Such a tough question. Thanks a lot, John, for giving that one to me this morning. So something that really stood out to me that I think will help us paint this, a better picture of how this can be, um, it... Um, of how Jesus uh, came to earth in the form of a human, I want to look at Philippians 2.7. Philippians 2.7 says that Jesus emptied himself and shared human nature. And, and I, always, I always think when I read just one Bible in front of me, it's hard. I love the Bible app um, because I can, I can shift between translations. And one of the side notes on the verses that Jesus emptied himself and took on human nature actually said that he laid aside his privileges. Now, all the things that were his right or his privilege as God, as what being God included, Jesus humbled himself to the point of, of becoming just like you and me. So that means his life and his miracles, they were performed through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, not in Jesus' own power as God. But that's important because you see, if, it's easy for me to say, well, he's Jesus. Of course he could do that. Of course he could overcome that temptation. He's God. But if we forget what Philippians, we can't forget what Philippians tells us. He gave up all of that. He gave up all of his, what it meant to be God, all of his uh, privileges and his rights as God. He gave it all up so that he could be just like us. That's, the, that's who I want to follow. That's who ma it makes it easier for me to want to follow him because he did become just like me. The same temptations, the same struggles. He went through it, not as God. He went through it as his human nature, as human flesh. So, he, I think it was, he was very much God, but he'd emptied himself of being able to use his power as God. So when Luke 1 says that he was full of the Holy Spirit, he had to be. He had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because he's no longer the son of God. He's now become the son of man. And the son of man is, is defenseless against Satan. The son of man can't, can't go to battle against Satan by himself. So now that he's the son of man... He's going up against Satan. I think that teaches us that if we're going to try to battle this world, if we're going to battle the temptations of, and the struggles of everyday life, we can't do it unless we call upon the full power of the Holy Spirit. If we let that full power of the Holy Spirit enter, enter us and, and, and live in us, that's the only way we're going to make it. So I love the way the late pastor A.W. Tozer says it. When Jesus had risen from the dead, he was no more mere matter. He came into a locked room through the wall somehow, and managed to penetrate and get into that room without unlocking the door. You see, it's a great image of the Holy Spirit dwelling in our bodies and having the ability to penetrate every aspect of our lives, our thoughts, our hearts, our personalities, and even our own spirit. 
He goes on later to address that the spirit is not enthusiasm or just an emotion. You know, sometimes when we're worshiping, you know, I feel, I feel like that, you, you just feel that connection. You feel the Holy Spirit. You feel that movement. But that's not all. That's just when I was aware of it, right? The Holy Spirit is, it can enter every part of my life. Not just, it's not just an emotion or when I feel it. It's there whether I'm in tune with it or not. It is real, and it's as real as you and me. It's not the personification of something real. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit can communicate with us in every way, through every emotion, through every feeling, and through every thought. It can communicate with us. But the, the, the neatest part about it is that, that the Holy Spirit, um, it, it will also never interfere with our free will. So that means Jesus had the same free will that I did, that I do. I mess up all the time. He didn't. Right? He had the same free will to choose sin or to choose going against what God wanted him to do, but he didn't. And, and I think that, that is the Jesus that I want to follow, that gave all that up and went through it just like me, that went alongside me. He was in Jesus. Um, he won't interfere. Even though he was full of the Holy Spirit, the, the, his free will was still there. Um, I want to start now. I want to get into the, the, the verse. So Luke 4, if you brought your Bibles, I'll have it up here. <laughs> Uh, it ended up being a ton of slides. But um, if you want to follow along, it's Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. That's important. That means Satan just declared that all of this world that it has to offer is his. Okay? Um, and it has been given to me, and I can give it to you. If you worship me, it will all be yours. But then Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to a high, uh, to Jerusalem to stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command all his angels concerning, to guard you, concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to test, to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. We'll come back to that, but that's funny. Um, uh, so we first heard that, that Jesus had to be full of, the, full of the Spirit. That was our first point. The second point of this in this chapter is that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into a place where he might not have otherwise chosen to journey. And that's important, into the wilderness. Now, I, I first thought maybe it was just coincidence, and I kind of looked up a little bit more into the wilderness. Think about what we know about the wilderness. Seemingly, seemingly deliberate, God met the Israelites at Mount Sinai in the wilderness. And then after he just rescued them from Egypt, right after the plagues, he, he, would, he had freed them from Egypt and he met them in the wilderness. And at that point, that's when he shaped them into his covenant people. He cared for them every day. He provided for them every day. And he led them every day with cloud and fire. Then, later, the Israelites, they began doubting. They're standing at the, at the entrance of the, the promised land, right? The milk, where 
of land of milk and honey. And they're standing in front of and they're looking in and they start to doubt God. Oh, I don't know. Right? They send the spies in and they start to doubt. Uh, they come back with, with these crazy stories that they're not going to be able to win. They start to doubt God. And if you remember what happens when they doubted God's word, he cursed them to wander the wilderness. Sounds like the wilderness is an important place where, where the Holy Spirit wants us to, to be so before, before he sends us out, before he can, that we can trust him, so we know we can trust him, that the, the wilderness must be an important place um, for that to happen. I'm not saying we all become like John the Baptist and eat locusts and honey, but, uh, but there's an importance we'll come back to about the wilderness. Um, and then I think, I, I love in the same uh, verse, the word led. As a teacher, that I think about my students. If I'm going to ask my students to do something uh, new or something scary or something challenging or something that they don't trust is a strength of theirs. Um, I have to make sure that they know that I'm going to lead them or that I'm going to go with them, right? I'm not going to make them go on their own um, because, and I'm going to also make sure that, that they know that I won't let them fail. The Holy Spirit led. It didn't just send Jesus first, right? To be weak, to be vulnerable and tempted by Satan. And did you catch that? Satan tempted Jesus the entire time. We just got to hear about the three last ones after the 40 days. But it said for those 40 days, he was being tempted with every single probably temptation that you and I can think of. Now the wilderness, I think I had a, an image of the wilderness like the Sahara Desert or somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where no one is. And that's not exactly the, the point. It was the point of getting away from um, your world, getting away from uh, your reality, right, in, in this situation. And so uh, Jesus um, trusted the Spirit's leading. He never doubted him that, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, even though physically he was completely empty. He had nothing left. 40 days without eating, he physically had nothing on his own. Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit was teaching us something here. Maybe if we want to be full of the Holy Spirit and know that we're being led by it, we have to first empty ourselves. We have to empty ourselves of what the world offers us. Did you hear that before? Satan, Satan his, um, the temptations, all those temptations, who knows what they were, but I'm sure it was everything the world could offer Jesus. Satan can't offer anything else, right? That's all Satan can offer. And he brought up, God has given me all of this, all of the world, all the pleasures, all the other things of the world he's given to me and I can give it to you. Makes, makes the world kind of sound like a scary place. And, and I think that Jesus is showing us here in Luke, we're, we're hearing that we have to deny what the world tries to promise us is best for us. Satan tempts Jesus with three things. The first thing is self-indulgence. And he says, hey, turn, you're hungry, right? Turn this stone into bread. Let it be about you, right? Use your miracle, use your power for you. Turn it into bread. And then he, then he turns it into self um, aggrandizement or self, um, that all the nations of the world will be yours. Look what all you can have, all the power. It's all gonna be yours. And then he tries self-serving. If you are the son of God, I love you, I kept trying to throw that one in there. Cast yourself down off of here and do whatever you want because God said he's gonna send the angels to catch you before you even hit the ground. But did you catch Jesus' responses? All three responses showed that he is dependent on God. For it is written, and he went through each piece of what it was written. And he says that he was dependent on God rather than himself for his life, physical life, the food, turn the stone to bread. For his glory, all this could be yours. You could be the king of the world. 
right? And then for his identity. If you are the son of God, if you really are the son of God, do this and show people you're God. Throw yourself off here and watch the angels swoop down and catch you. Then everybody will know. So Jesus chose to trust that he was dependent on God, not on himself, not on his life, his glory, or identity. There are so many times that I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me or guide me in a decision, right? In something tough that I'm facing. And, um, but, but I, if I really am honestly look at the things that I question, and I ask God about and for and give me an answer, most of the time they revolve around the world, right? Most of the things that I'm asking for revolve around the world, right? Whether it's life, whether it's glory or whether it's identity, right? Whether it's, it's something about me that I need. It's something, God, please help me in this situation because, um, because I really need this. But, but most of those decisions, um, are either what I can get from the world or what I need from the world. And, and maybe I don't have a hard time hearing God's answer, right? you know, God answering my questions or hearing his answer to my questions. Maybe I have a hard time truly emptying myself of the world and, and changing my focus to uh, asking for things that aren't of this world, asking for God to help me in the things that are out of this world, that are in his world, that I'm not in tune with, um, and focusing his leading in my life. So Jesus understood that this was a must before he started his ministry. The Holy Spirit led him to understand this, and, and I love it. Did you catch the uh, verse 13? He left him until a more opportune time. 40 days without eating. Uh, I, I'm not sure what more opportune time he was looking for. I don't know about you guys, but we can get pretty hangry after a few hours. Um, and, then, and then what happens when we, when we let our guard down? When, when, I'm, when I need a physical need? I was sick this week for, uh, with this awful sinus infection. I was trying to get ready for stuff. But when, the, when your physical need is down or is, is strong, when your physical need is strong, then a lot of times we, we're not in tune with the spiritual things of this world. So we're weak and we're easy, it's easier for us to, to maybe fall into a temptation, right? Or to do something we wouldn't normally do with the right mind or with our bodies the way it should. So I really don't know what he's talking about, right? For 40 days. 40 hours, I would already lost my stuff, and Satan would have had his way. He'd had his opportune time with me. Um, but, but Jesus understood that the only way for him to resist temptation uh, of Satan was, um, and, and all the tough times through his ministry, not just now when he's hungry, but all the tough times in his ministry, the only way was to trust, um, to have a laser focus on God's purpose, and that was definitely divine, and being filled with the Holy Spirit was the only way of doing that. Now, I watched, a, I watched a TED Talk this week. I don't know if you guys are familiar with TED Talks, but um, just a cool way where someone gets to stand up and talk about, um, talk about something and you can kind of tune in and catch it. And there was a, this TED Talk was um, by an inventor. And this inventor's name was Elwood or Woody Norris. He engineered something called hypersonic sound. Now, hypersonic sound is essentially a speaker that can send out sound waves um, and can send them out like a laser um, through sound without making a sound and can drop that sound right by your ear. So the difference is this speaker here, if I'm up close and we blare it like at a concert, front row can't hear for a week, back row kind of maybe had a hard time hearing with all the feedback and everything else that was going on. Um, so this technology would be able, this, these speakers would be able to send sound right to your ear. No one hears it in the room unless I'm pointing it to you. So if I point it here, they would hear the sound. As I point it, as it hit you, you would pick up that sound. So they said, what an amazing technology this is for not just concerts, but um, I picture if any of you are like me um, and you, uh, my wife constantly tells me to turn the TV down. 
even, much, even so much so that she bought me headphones. From, so from the bedroom, I wouldn't have to get the text message that, hey, turn that down, it's loud. Um, and so this is pretty incredible as well. So not only can it, can it face that person, I can also change the settings on the speaker where um, I, it can put one sound in your left ear in a completely different sound in your right ear. Or it could split your bed down the middle and this side of the bed can hear whatever they want and this side can hear silence or mount another TV in your room and you both listen to it at the same time. But, um, but you can hear um, whatever that speaker is directly putting into your ear. And I thought, wow, I mean, that's amazing. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy technology. Now it said it can even send it through silence, complete silence it can send it where someone can pick up that sound without the whole rest of the room hearing it. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, now, something else that's even crazier, and, and he went on to talk about what this technology offers. And this is the one that absolutely was insane to me, that our military can use this, this, this technology. We're, we're going to attack someone or, or a, a group somehow. This technology can send our sound to, if we're attacking from the north, it can send this sound from the south to make it sound like we're attacking from the complete opposite direction to disorient them, and here we come from a completely opposite direction. I mean, it's amazing the, the limitless possibilities that this hypersonic sound um, can, can give. A, it's a pretty amazing technology. You think about light has transformed into everything from cell phone over its years, but sounds pretty much stayed similar. And so this is a, a technology that has really advanced um, advancement in sound. But I thought about this. So like, what does this have to do, Nate? I picture the Holy Spirit speaking to us in what I joked and called spirit sonic sound. But I picture this sound that um, is able to cut through all the noise and the craziness of this world and all the lies that Satan's trying to tell us through this world. It's able to cut through all of that to be able to get right to me, to my sound, where I'm hearing what it is that the Spirit wants me to hear, right? The technology um, can cut through not just the distractions and the noise, but it can also cut through the silence. Sometimes when I'm in silence and I'm praying, I, I go through all my own thoughts and my own things in my mind that I don't know if it's God and I don't know if it's me. I don't know who's, who's wanting this or God, is that really what you're wanting me to do? You know, and I think silence is sometimes the hardest thing, right? When you pray for something, you don't hear an answer, Maybe God just is telling you, sit tight. You're right where you need to be right now. Or maybe I, I can't focus through the silence to know what God's telling me. Um, but for Jesus, this spirit sonic sound was completely clear to what the spirit had instructed him. Never did he get distracted by even Satan's lies then or any other time throughout his life and ministry did he get distracted by other sounds. Even when the religious leaders were telling him one thing, Right? Even when these people who um, the rest of the world looked at as the religious scholars and the, the Pharisees, and they, they, even when they were telling him something, he cut through all that and he listened to the Holy Spirit. You see, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Our next point is that Jesus um, was led, he was um, full of the Spirit. Um, he was led by the Spirit and now he's empowered by the Spirit. He's empowered because physically he has no power at all right? He's completely weak. He's completely um, drained, but he's focused 100% on his purpose. He has no energy and strength of his own. And he went to Galilee, the Bible says in, the, in, in Luke 4, in the power of, his own, of, of the Spirit, anointed and empowered physically. And I want to read this for us. Um, it's a little lengthy, but Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, 
where he had been brought up, where he finally gets to come back after, after being forced to kind of grow up in, in exile, right, because of the decree that was going to kill him. They were, they, that had never fully lifted. So he uh, is back to his hometown of Nazareth. Um, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was customs, and he, as was custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, and I love this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. You see, Jesus quoted from the prophet Isaiah a, a prophecy about him. It makes, he makes the claim in the midst of this prophecy that it's being revealed right now. And later in verse 21 through 30, he drives it home to show not only his, was he empowered physically to be able to do this, but now authoritatively. He takes over God's authority, the, the authority that God gave him, right? That he, and, and he says this, um, he began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him, because they still not, not really fully understand what he's saying. They spoke well of him and were amazed at, at his gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will now, surely you will quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And now he really heaps it on them. This is the authoritative part, and this is where he infuriates them. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. But to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, he was sent out somewhere else. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah the prophet, yet not one of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way, empowered authoritatively. You can't stop God, right? You can't stop the Holy Spirit's movement right now. This, it's not his time. So Jesus was empowered to speak authoritatively, unafraid of the consequences, and he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, I, um, this week we celebrated President's Day, and in my classroom we, uh, we did all sorts of fun stuff with Lincoln and, and Washington, and, um, and something that, a um, bunch of, bunch of um, different projects that we looked at, we looked at Lincoln's childhood. And when we read that Lincoln was only in school for one year, uh, moved to Indiana at age seven, and Indiana at that time, ironically, was, was the wilderness of the United States. It was the farthest west state in the United States at that point. At seven years old, whether he knew it or not, God sent him into the wilderness. No books. He had the Bible and he had some Aesop's fables, something we read in our classroom all the time. He had the Bible and Aesop's fables. He grew up reading it and... Um, and I think he never, there's a lot of speculation, never fully joined a church um, in his later life. But he always spoke of God. A lot of people accused him of, of just being kind of a theist, that there's a, a, 
Maybe there's just a a creator God that created everything and kind of left us to kind of figure it out, never really accepting never really accepting that the Holy Spirit could actually work in our lives and that God is with us and, and the, the reality of Jesus. But I, I question it. As you read, as you read more and more of, what, of, Lincoln's, um, of Lincoln quotes and as you read more of, of his specific, his speeches and some of those things, um, I want you to um, hear, and I also heard said that when his son Willie passed away, um, which I don't know how it would, and it completely changed him. And, and a lot of the closest people to him said that his faith even shifted. And he began speaking even more about um, faith and more about God. And, and I want you to hear this quote from Lincoln um, that, that really stood out to me. This is from 1863, getting close to the end. He said, Nevertheless, amid the greatest difficulties of my administration, when I could not see any other resort, I would place my whole reliance on God, knowing that all would go well, and that he would decide for the right. Now, I don't know how someone can place a full reliance on God if that God is up there and that God doesn't live with me. So I, I, don't, I don't know Lincoln's faith. I'm not claiming to. That's between him and God. But what I do know is those words that he spoke late in his life after his son had passed to say that through all my greatest difficulties, through all the, the struggles that I faced, um, I put my full reliance on God. And I knew that God was going to work for right what God wanted, right? He would decide for the right. I couldn't imagine any of the decisions that Lincoln faced. I couldn't imagine um, to trying to discern voices from, from the world. And think about these voices, guys. These were voices from people in the church. People in the church telling him that to keep going, that this wasn't, let's, let's, uh, let's keep going as we are. Let's, let's keep slavery going and keep people oppressed. Let's, let's um, continue the way we're going. People in the church said that God told them these things, right? How in the world can you decipher between voices when all these voices around you are telling you something, but yet in your heart, you cut through all that sound and you can focus on what God's telling you? And, and it's speculation. I don't know what his heart, where his mind was, but what I do know is that I haven't had to face decisions about whether to send our country into a civil war and whether and the, and the complications of, of ending slavery and knowing it's probably going to end your life too, which it did. I couldn't imagine those decisions. But I do know the decisions that I make every day that I, that, that I don't know the answer to. I don't know what to choose. And, and I know the only way that I'm going to make that right decision is by cutting out all the noise that the world tells me and emptying myself so I can focus on what God is telling me. And thank God for this example in Luke 4 of Jesus doing this. Because what we've, what we've read so far in, in, this chap, in this chapter is that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit physically and, uh, and uh, authoritatively. And also, but it took all of that before number five. He could actually be sent to start his, his ministry and to go through all the parts of his ministry that, he was, that, were, that was coming up. This was the very beginning of his ministry, right? Just, he had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and he was, I think that's the answer for us, this whole wilderness thing. God sends us into a place of, of recharging, and I, and I think about of um, getting away from the world, getting away from all those distractions and and refocusing and recharging on what the Holy Spirit's telling us. So the problem with knowing this today is that we can't sit and not let this change our lives. As we get ready for communion here in a few minutes, um, we must remember that that same Holy Spirit we're talking about here lives in us. 
The same Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. The same Spirit that Jesus needed in the wilderness, the same Spirit that he needed to to get through his ministry is available to us. It's available to us when when we believe in Jesus and we accept that Holy Spirit into our lives. It's available to us. But we have to empty ourselves just like Jesus and depend on the Holy Spirit to transform our desires and make sure they align with his purposes for our lives. If you have never made the decision to place your life in Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, whatever name you have for him this morning, if if you've never made that decision to place your life in his beautiful hands, please, please don't miss this opportunity this morning. Jesus proclaims freedom to those who are captive by sin. Is that not all of us? That are captive by sin, or captive by the lies of this world. He says that Jesus is the freedom to those captive, those enslaved to sin. He's the freedom. He can also restore sight to the blind, physically, but also spiritually. We've all been blind, right? We've all been, as we talked about in our four chairs, we've all been blind and seeking and not knowing. And he also preached grace to the guilty. And I think as the time of communion, this is what we remember, that grace, that's the Holy Spirit for you. There's no guilt, no guilt at all, only conviction and the understanding that we need a Savior. Come rest in that grace this morning. Will you pray with me? Dearly Father God, uh, help us to depend on you fully, God. Help us empty ourselves so that we can be filled with your Spirit's leading in our lives. God, help us to hear your voice and be empowered by it so that we can be sent out into this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.